I remember sitting there and all I could think about, and this is going to sound weird, is the TV show Lost. Because there's a part in the show, one of the characters is a, a Jack Shepard, is a doctor, he's a surgeon, and he talks uh, to another character about the moment before he goes into surgery, and he's like, look, you feel scared. And it's definitely, it, that can be crippling. But what he said is, I figured out the way to deal with it, and the way I deal with it is, I let the fear in, I count to five, and then I shut it off. And I go and do what I have to do. Two guys talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle, talking about Big Papa. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Big Papas, the podcast for modern dads. I'm Dan Worrysmith. I'm Peter Hamilton. Today we're talking about childbirth. That's right. Let's talk about birth, baby. Yeah, we're throwing it back to the 90s. And the good things that make me. Let's talk about birth. We're here talking about birth. Let's talk about birth. Our guest today is midwife Lisa Thacker. She was a midwifery student at the time that my wife Zoe and I were preparing for the birth of our daughter. And uh, I'm really excited to have her in here. It's really cool to, to reconnect and we're going to hear all about her industry. But before we do that, Pierre, you had some solo dad time over yep. the course of several days recently. Yeah, absolutely. That's a tall order. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, here it is. All right. So my wife went away uh, for work. She went uh, out to Calgary and Vancouver and she was like, all right, so you're going to be on your own. And it was the first time since uh, Pat leave uh, that I was solo with kid for just about a week. Um, and, you know, I was looking forward to it. There was a bit of hesitation. I'm not going to lie to you, Dan, a bit mm -hmm. of hesitation. Do you wonder, do you want to ask why? Why, Pierre? Well, um, my daughter has been going through what I would call, I don't know, two to three months of intense mommy love, uh, is what I would call it. Heartbreaking uh, if you're a dad. Yeah. You know, like to the point where, you know, you wake up and again, I lean in and I say, oh, morning, Zadie, I've got your milk, like rise and shine. And she just looks up at me, blinks and says, mama. And then I go... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mama's, yeah, mama's here and everything like that. But you know, Dada, right now, and she, I want Mama, mm. which again is just crushing, absolutely crushing. Mm. Um, but that was my hesitation. But I knew I had to do it. I had a job to do, and so yeah, I jumped right in there. It was mostly fine. Like I would say, absolutely amazing. I mean, kids are kids. She's a toddler. She's gonna test. There was a couple of the little highlights. Um, we ate the first day uh, that we were, the first morning we were together and she was going to daycare. We ate cereal together. You know, I was like, do you want cereal? She's like, yeah. So I poured her a little bowl and we both just sat there and ate cereal. And I felt like, yeah, this is great. I like this bit. Nice. Um, that evening though, things took a turn for the worse uh, when she decided to dump out all of her uh, food on the ground. And she, it's just a phase that she's going, she just, she just ate a bunch, looked at the plate, Turned it over, had a mischievous grin on her face, and I was like, Zadie, we don't do that. And she just looked at me and was like, okay. And you're like, yeah, I mean, cute. 
I feel like you're not really saying okay and that you're going to do it again. And she's just sort of, okay. I can feel the condescension just in your relaying of the story. And then she just is like, okay. And then starts like trying to just get it all off of her high chair. So she's just like throwing it around (laughs) and I'm going, cool. And honestly, I'm like, I'm not going to call Jess about this. I'm not even going to text her, but I'm just going to ride this part through. We've talked about this. Yeah, we have. The non-call. The non-call. You don't want to do it. You know, she's out there. Like, she's already there for work. That That's <laughs> like, that's obviously there's stuff with that. And then, like, you know, she took some time towards the end of the trip to go and visit some of her friends. So I just didn't want to really start off the week with, like, an yeah. immediate, like, hey, hey. <laughs> Your daughter is being insane right now. I don't can't make the take call. This. Don't yeah. make the unless you need to make the call. If unless, it's important yeah, to make the call. You make that to. call, but don't make so, the call. But yeah, and then as the week went on, I felt like we just—it was like hurdle after hurdle was cleared. And yesterday, uh, which you know people here will be like, "When was yesterday?" It was this, it was a Saturday. We went to the park. Her mom was coming back uh, later that night. Does that orient you enough, listeners? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you are you with us now? Jeez. Are you with us there? Uh, and we were at the park, and she just was amazing. Like she'd run around, and I could see her sort of like looking to see that I was like seeing what she was doing. She's like, "I'm going to climb to the top of this big, big." like a um, uh, uh, little slide and then go down. And she'd never done that before. And she just was like, I'm climbing up and look back at me and be like, daddy, do you see me? And I'm like, yeah, I can see you. And just sort of, you know, data, data, data. And it really just changed. And I felt like I was like, yes, I stole it back from my wife. <laughs> I've got it now. I've got the power. And the one thing that was really hilarious is that my wife called and she was like, hey, you know, so I'm coming back now. I'm just like, I'm on the plane. We're just about to leave. I'm like, yeah, we just got home. We were at a, we were at a little uh, a street festival and then we visited with some friends and she was really good there and everything was fine. The one thing that was funny, and this is, I just think this is a, the most amazing thing. I was wearing a pair of shoes, the same shoes I'm wearing now, and my kid has a very similar style of shoes. They're two different brands, but very similar style. It's like new meshy style material of shoe. They look very cool. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But she had them first and then I bought my pair. People at the party are looking at her shoes and they're like, oh, you guys are wearing cool, like the same shoes. They're matching. That's so cute. I kid you not, this is what happened. She's hearing this and I don't, she obviously can only hear some of it. Maybe she hears like shoes, Dada's shoes, Zadie's shoes, same shoes. But suddenly people are like, yeah, it's cool that you have shoes. Did you plan that? Like, did you, was this a whole thing? I was like, no, I just like, these are the shoes I wore. And suddenly you can see in her face that she's like kind of confused. And I kid you not, she takes off her shoes, takes them off, gives them to me, and just says, take these. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's weird. Why did you do that? Something she's, made her she's just She's self-conscious, wow. and she wouldn't put the shoes on for like five to ten minutes after oh that. My gosh. It was amazing. Anyway, I relayed that story to her mom, and it was, it was funny, but also the piece that I tried to rub it in. I was like, so, Zadie... Um, who do you love the best? Is it Dada? And she was like, yeah. And then I basically just said, you can hang up on your mom now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, that was my little, that was my little experience this week. It was, um, again, it's, it's good. It's fun. There's always challenges with it, but I felt like it was a, it was a real good bonding time. And I feel even in, you know, the, the slightly less than a week, we were at a new level where she's like really into me again. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride that out. So it's like a little bit of a high. I'm just going to ride out. Yeah. 
That's uh, what a man, what a man, what, what a, a mighty good man. Wow. Man, are we going to just, I think that should be a thing of the show. We just drop as <laughs> just many, to drop as the 90s many refs, 90s as much as we can. can <laughs> I can't wait till we do. It takes two to make a, it, 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 it takes two to make it. But I mean, in reality, it does take more than two. There's more people sometimes involved. It takes a village. Yeah. Pierre. Yeah. That's exactly. Uh, well, I'm sure we're going to get more of the Chronicles of Solo Dad. Zoe's got a trip to L.A. coming up, Uh-oh. so that's going to be a few days for me, and I'm imagining you'll have another opportunity at some point, too. Absolutely. Uh, look forward to it. I'm also yeah. looking forward to the main chunk of our show. Our special guest today is Lisa Thacker, a registered midwife. You're listening to Big Papas, the podcast for modern dads. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back. It's Big Papas. We're talking about childbirth today. Our guest is registered midwife, Lisa Thacker. She's here with Pierre and I. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Of course. Pleasure to have you here. We're going to get into a, a bit more of a interviewee kind of segment with Lisa in just a sec. But before then, uh, since we're talking childbirth today, Pierre and I both wanted to, to share a little story about our experience uh, being a partner during childbirth. Uh, so I think, Pierre, I'm, I'm going to go first. That sounds yeah, good yeah, to you. Yeah, hit it up. Yeah. So, you know, without getting too heavy, uh, we did, Zoe, my wife and I did have an experience when our daughter Goldie was being born that that was pretty heavy. And since that's what we're doing here, talking about, you know, real life and trying to learn from it. uh, Here we go. Zoe was in in labor for 31 hours total. We were talking, I was talking to her about it yesterday as we were preparing to come in to do the pod. And uh, just remembering kind of the first few hours where she was having these contractions and there was a real feeling of disbelief and a total lack of power. You know, she would have a contraction that would last for 20, 30 seconds and, and it would, every time it would surprise her how much it hurt. And she would then get into this mindset uh, of, oh no, I cannot stop the next one from coming. And we would have an idea based on the intervals and where they were kind of roughly, but you know, it was like, it was like being in the ocean and we're just waiting for the waves to come and, and having no power of it. And I remember just feeling so bad for her and, you know, doing the best I could to, to make her feel as comfortable as possible. Um, and with midwives, you know, we went the midwife route and um, there are different options when you when you have a midwife. You can do a home birth, you can do it at a place called a birthing center, and you can do it at a hospital. And we went with midwives at the hospital and when you do that, um, they encourage you to stay home as long as you can until it's really necessary to go to the hospital. So we end up sleeping, trying to sleep over the course of the night and thinking we're not going to go till the morning unless it really seems like it's progressing faster than we expected. Anyways, we made it through the night. We go to the hospital. Uh, Zoe got the epidural. Not everyone goes for that, but that kind of then gives you this actually unexpected amount of hours of almost like nothing's happening. And our midwives actually told me to take a nap and I took a nap <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still struggling to not feel guilty about that, but I, I don't feel guilty. So we actually, no, 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 no. <laughs> I second that recommendation. There you go. There you go. Um, so we actually, this conversation we were having yesterday about the pod, uh, and, and how I was going to tell the story about the birth. Zoe said to me that she would give me a five out of five as, as a birth partner. And I would not make that up. And I was totally, <laughs> that's a great score. Really flattered. To get I did that. not ask my wife. What I didn't ask either. I didn't, <laughs> and I should have asked. I wasn't that now. fishing for a score, but I'm going to go back and ask her and, and, and I, try and figure it out. That's good. I want to hear. I'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet you get a five too. Anyways, what happened was. Um, when Goldie was finally born, she was stunned. She wasn't breathing properly. 
uh, they had to have a doctor come in and he kind of insisted that we rush getting Goldie out because uh, the heart rate, if memory serves, was higher than it was supposed to be, but it might have been lower. Um, and sure enough, when she came out, she wasn't breathing properly. So that moment that you imagine of the baby comes out, the baby's crying, you get a chance to hold the baby, it's messy and it's crazy and it's... Um, that was the idea that we had kind of had in our mind of what would happen. That's not what happened. Uh, so this doctor who we had only seen for, it had been a few hours at that point, but he wasn't someone that we had met until that day. Uh, he was kind of taking the lead at that point. And as soon as Goldie came out, there was like a group of five people we'd never seen before at another part of the room dealing with her. And I was with Zoe and we felt like it was almost out of body because we weren't prepared for this moment this moment of thinking, what if our baby doesn't survive? And somehow, even though that's a possibility and, you know, we had spent nine months learning and hearing and absorbing all of the possibilities of what can happen in the different scenarios, I had never thought about that. I'd never mm -hmm. once given thought. Later on, when I went back over it with Zoe, she said, oh, you're damn right, I thought about that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you I had imagined don't it. say, yeah. Um, but that's where we were. We were in this moment. The baby was just out, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and we were scared. And not only were all of these people now focusing on Goldie on this other side of the room, um, there was very little focus on Zoe anymore. Um, the placenta had to be uh, delivered as well, so, so that happened. Um, and anyways... If you skip forward a little bit, we found out the next morning, 100%, definitely nothing's wrong with Goldie. What happened in the interim in between those first few minutes, she was put into the NICU and she was given a thing on her nose to breathe through. It looked kind of like Bane from Batman. It was super freaky. And we didn't get to touch her or hold her that first night because she was in this kind of contained unit. Um... And we had family at the hospital with us who were waiting to hear what happened. And one of the big moments of me realizing just how serious it was, was pretty soon into these, you know, we didn't really know what was going on with Goldie yet. She was in the room with us for a bit. And then she, they said, you know, okay, she's breathing. We're going to take her to the NICU, which still left a lot of question marks. We knew that mm -hmm. she had at least made it that far. But, and so at that point, I went out to the hallway to see my family. And the information I had for them was... We don't know, and Zoe's okay, but we're not sure. And as soon as I saw the looks on their faces, I realized how serious a situation it was, mm -hmm. and that I kind of, as I said, this out of bodyness or the surreal feeling of it, I it was like a real, you know, bringing me, shocking me into reality kind of moment. Anyways, Zoe, <laughs> having been through this insane thirty-one hour ordeal, her body had no choice but to sleep, and she was able to go to sleep right away. I was like. A nervous wreck and, um, you know, as anyone knows who's been through this in the hospital, they don't exactly give you like a comfortable place to sleep if you're a partner. Get out. Yeah, you, you know what? It's fine. The resources are better spent elsewhere. <laughs> Either way, I recalled at that moment when it was, I don't know, maybe midnight, 1 a.m. at this point, she was in the NICU and we didn't know what was going to happen, but there was nothing we could do. Zoe was able to fall asleep because her body was exhausted. I remembered that I had brought an Ativan with me and I have mm. never needed a drug more in my life than I needed this pill. It allowed me to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I slept for about four or out. five hours. And when I woke up, I went into the NICU and Goldie didn't have the thing on her nose anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. And <laughs> wow, I made it through this story without bursting into tears. I'm so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to us. And I think the main takeaway for me um, was 
just dealing with a traumatic situation and, and as Zoe and I unpacked it over the kind of weeks and months after then, you know, giving it credence to say like, hey, this really was fucked up and we were really affected by it and to not pretend that it didn't happen. And, uh, but also, and I think this will connect to your story as well, Pierre, the idea that no matter how much you prepare for something and you learn about it and you think, oh, we have an, you know, kind of a concept of how this is going to go. There's this ability of, especially something like childbirth, throwing a curveball at you that you just didn't see coming. Um, so there you go. (laughs) Wow. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's going to make my, it doesn't make my story, you know what it does? It, it puts things in perspective, mm-hmm. I think, because while there are elements of your story that I think resonate with me and what happened with, with Jess and I um, and Zadie, it, we didn't have that experience and it, it just never went to that, f- that far. And it, so, you know what, I'm going to get into my little story and tell you what happened to me. Um, Jess my my lovely lovely wife i got to thank her for doing the hard work of actually going into labor delivering the child did we forget um, to say all praise to the moms we, yeah because <laughs> that's, so. that's 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 a all part of the, the show moms. all praise <laughs> is due um, i remember sitting in a chair outside the operating room uh, realizing in 5 minutes from now jess is going to have a c section this is not the way it was supposed to be right um, we we went to the hospital, everything seemed fine. They were like, things are progressing, cool. She did the epidural. I sat there, I held her hand when the contractions came and she squeezed my hand and I was like, oh, I didn't say anything even though it hurt. Um, Good. And, you know, we thought at a point that it, it all seems to be fine. But, you know, there were, there were not, I don't know, maybe they're called complications, but essentially every time we tried to, I guess, push, um, the heart rate r- would get a bit irregular. And, and finally, the doctor just came to the point where he's like, look, look we're going to do a C-section. The nurse was sort of saying, I don't know. I mean, we could wait, maybe try it a little bit differently. Uh, and he was like, no, we're doing C-section. And at that point, I remember sort of sitting there with Jess and going, these people are the experts. I don't know what to do. If they tell me that this is the right thing to do, then I guess we're going to do it. They wheeled her off. They prepped her for surgery. And they sat me in a room and said, we're going to get you ready. Just wait here. And I remember sitting there and seeing the doctors and nurses get ready for the surgery. And I remember sitting there and all I could think about, and this is going to sound weird, is the TV show Lost. Because there's a part in the show, one of the characters is a a Jack Shepard, is a doctor. He's a surgeon. And he talks uh, to another character about the moment before he goes into surgery. And he's like, look, you feel scared. And it's definitely, that can be crippling. But what he said is, I figured out the way to deal with it. And the way I deal with it is, I let the fear in, I count to five, and then I shut it off. And I go and do what I have to do. And I know it's weird to say that, you know, it's a TV show that inspired me in that moment, but that's just what I did. I had my little cry. I feel like I'm almost back in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. I like teared up. I like a tear ran down my, my ran down my face. I counted to five. The nurse looked at me and she was like, "Are you ready?" And I was like, "Yes, I have to be there for my for my wife and for my kid." And it's weird because, again, there's this notion of fatherhood. I think when we started, you know, maybe the nine months before, when we're like, "All right, we're gonna be parents." And we're like, all right, I know what this is going to be like. Like you said, Dan, it's like somebody's going to come over and be like, here's your baby. And you're going <laughs> to hold it. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. 
that wasn't what it was like. Right. Um, Jess, half of Jess was covered by, uh, um, I don't know if it's surgery, surgical sort of, um, drape. drape. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> That's why we bring in the professionals. <laughs> and she couldn't see anything. She was completely reliant on me for, Hey, what's happening? What's happening? I'm like, I don't know. I look back behind the drape. I was like, uh, you don't want to, I'm not going to tell you anything about what's <laughs> happening over there. Uh, and then at some point they were like, and she's out and they sort of took her away. Obviously I guess it's a C-section. So they, did, they don't just immediately go, here you go. Um, they took her away. They did the quick little, okay, everything seems to be okay. And Jess was like, just go, you have to go and see her. You have to make sure everything is okay. And yeah. I remember sort of saying to the doctors, can I go, can I go over? And they're like, yeah, it's okay now. And every, everything's fine. And I remember going over and looking down at this little thing, mm-hmm. our, my child, Zadie, and, and just going, wow, again, this isn't what I expected, but she's here. Her mom's okay. I'm happy. And I remember I reached down and sort of just like put my finger sort of close to her and she sort of just wrapped her her hand around my finger, and mm-hmm. that was really the first contact that we had, and um, it was amazing. You know, again, it's I want to say for for me that was my perspective. I know for my wife, again, it wasn't what she had imagined because of the surgery that they did. She was pretty doped up. So her experience, I have photos that I'll probably never show anyone again. She doesn't like me uh, pointing out, but like, she looks you, she looks drugged up. She doesn't we, like you showing those photos. Yeah, no, no, Weird. no, no. So we, you know, again, we we once she was uh, once everything was done and she was sewn up and and fine. Um, she did get to obviously hold Zadie and put her against her chest, but it was just one of those things. I think to your point, Dan, that. It's not always the way you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be prepared for that adaptation piece that, that humans are so good at. Um, but it was still beautiful. And you got to find those moments in, in, in your own story, whatever it might be, that, that you smile at. That years from now, you'll be like telling your kid and they'll be like, shut up, dad. And you're, <laughs> you're like, I know, but that's the first time you. And then now, you know, again, now Zadie's telling me, go away. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, that was that was that was our birth story. I was gonna say my birth story, but I felt like <laughs> that wouldn't have been right. It's a good at edit. All. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Starting out that way is a good lesson for the rest of being a parent because every day it's let's be ready for the unexpected yeah. Yeah. and it's something new, and you get used to a new pattern, and then the pattern changes, switches or, up on you. So that's um, you know, it's it's good to to be prepared to roll with the punches. Yeah. Uh, we're going to roll into our next segment here with Lisa Thacker. Yeah. We'll be back in one sec. Yeah. Okay, we're back. I'm Pierre Hamilton. I'm here with Dan Worry Smith. What up, what up, what up? This is Big Papa's, the podcast for mom and dads. This is episode three. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about birth, baby. And we're here with Lisa Thacker. We're going to get a bit more into uh, her experience as a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, you, there was a piece that uh, you and uh, Lisa were talking about a bit before uh, we started recording that I think is is worthwhile for us to chat about. Yeah, well, Lisa, you asked uh, – thanks for being here with us, first of oh, all. Yeah, we really oh, appreciate pleasure. it. 
Totally. Great to have you here. Um, Lisa was the midwife, uh, was a, a senior midwifery student at the time that my wife Zoe and I were preparing for our daughter to arrive. And uh, through one of those just like luck of the draw things, we <laughs> saw Lisa at pretty much all of our appointments leading up. And then you, I think, graduated or you finished your yeah. term kind of like a month before. So you weren't actually there for the birth, which anyways, it was uh, it, it was certainly disappointing at the time, but I, <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel bad about it or anything. It's the luck of the draw. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I got sidetracked, but when you came in today, you you asked uh, a really important question, which is on Big Papa's, are we addressing uh, inclusivity uh, as broadly as we can? Are we speaking to families that aren't necessarily a traditional, you know, mom and dad setup? Um, and so as much as that's something that Pierre and I maybe hadn't given enough thought to in the past, it really rang true to us as something that is important. Um, so we just want to kind of start with that, uh, Lisa, as, as to, to, you know, your thoughts uh, regarding the inclusivity of the show and, and just kind of parenting in general in this modern age. Yeah, so it's just this idea of, of recognizing that not all not all families identify as having a mom or a dad, a mom and a dad. Um, and sometimes you might hear me talk about our clients uh, as pregnant people instead right. of pregnant women. Um, and for the, you know, certainly there's a lot of folks who do identify as dads, but there are also families where um, that's not the case. And so while this is a podcast for dads, and I totally appreciate that, hopefully it will also be uh, re relevant and useful to other partners, like other people who are supporting their partners or their family members or whoever it is uh, through the process of birth. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like there, I'm in my head since we had that talk, I'm now like thinking about language, but feel free as we go along to like jump in and be like, wait a second, the, I would actually say it this way. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and please know if you're listening, you know, we're, we're trying to learn from the experience of being parents. And so a word like dad or something like that, it definitely isn't meant to, to put up any walls. And, you know, if you're someone who's interested in parenting or you're experiencing it or you have questions or whatever it is, please do feel included in the conversation. It definitely is not about gender or about some role as it's been defined by someone else. Uh, and thanks, Lisa, for bringing that to our attention. I think it's a really nice way to start off our chat with you. So let's start just kind of with the basics. Take us back. Why and when did you decide to pursue midwifery? So I decided to pursue midwifery, um, I think it was about five years ago now, because it's a four-year um, four undergraduate degree at in Ontario, one of these three universities. Um, and I did it because it was actually a friend of mine who was pregnant at the time, and she had a midwife. And I really hadn't heard much about midwives. Um, I didn't know what they did. I knew that I was feeling a bit of job dissatisfaction and I wanted to sort of go back to working in healthcare. I had a health background, but sort of diverted from that over the years. Um, and so she just kind of brought it to my attention and she's like, hey, Lisa, I think this might be a good fit for you. We had both studied health in the past, like 10 years prior. So um, I just looked it up and I kind of threw my hat in the ring and I was just like, well, it seems really aligned with my values. It's pretty like a feminist-based kind of uh, profession, at least in Ontario. Uh, and you get to work directly with with pregnant people and you get to work with, generally speaking, healthy people. Um, all of these things really appeal to me. And so I I just applied and I kind of took it one semester at a time. And I just said, look, if I, if it feels good, I'll keep doing it. And it, and it seemed like a good fit. So I uh, stuck with it and here I am. 
Nice. And we should mention, you may you may share some information that's Ontario-specific, right. uh, but there are kind of different midwifery programs and guidelines in different provinces and certainly in different countries in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Great. What uh, one of the things that when I, I know we were we were thinking about having you on and I started to think about it in my head was we didn't use a midwife um, and you know I don't know why other than to say I probably didn't know enough about it mm-hmm. um, and so I, I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask was you know it's it's 2018 uh, I think maybe most people I don't know maybe that's just my perception is that most people probably think you are going to have a kid you're going to go to the hospital and there are doctors and nurses there who will help deliver your kid. Mm-hmm. So given that, why does midwifery matter, I guess? And, and, and maybe a little bit more about what it is that, that you actually do as a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, again, I'm interested to know a little bit more. And I, and I think there's other, other dads, other partners, uh, maybe even other moms who are just sort of like, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's interesting that you asked that because, like, I guess, Dan and Zoe, you guys came to midwifery care for your first. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people come to midwifery care for their second, just wanting to try a different experience. Okay. So um, what midwives what midwives in Ontario at least do differently, there's kind of three different pillars to midwifery care in Ontario that make it a little different from, say, OB care or family doctors. Sometimes there are family doctors that do deliveries as well. Um, and the, the first thing is this idea of having the, I'll say the pregnant person or the, the woman, um, as the most appropriate person to make like the decisions about her or their um, pregnancy care, the birth and the postpartum as well. So this idea that you're really empowered and you have all the information available to you, given to you by your healthcare provider or by your midwife so that you can make the choices about your healthcare. Um, and the care of the baby. So that might sound a little bit vague, but what that like what that kind of looks like in practice is like if you have an OB, they tend to have a lot of clients at once, and they call them patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they don't have a lot of time to discuss things with you. So you're kind of left to your own devices to figure out what everything is. What is this ultrasound for? What is this test for? Um, or you don't even do that at all and just kind of do the ultrasound and do the test. Yeah. You might have had that experience. Yeah, I think yeah. we did. Yeah. It was a lot of sometimes like, so let me just look up on the internet. Because again, yeah. I mean, we had great care, but you're right. It was, here, you're in. Cool. Everything looks fine. Doc, like, doctor looks cool. Okay, yeah. bye. Yeah. So very short appointments. Um, midwives, we take a limited number of clients, which gives us more time with each one of our clients. So we have these half an hour long appointments prenatally, which gives us a chance to talk about not just how our clients are feeling and where they're at in the pregnancy, but also what's coming up, what tests are available, what are the risks and benefits of the tests and and talking to them about, well, what feels right to you? Like, do you want to do this test? This is why I might recommend you do the test, but ultimately it's your body, your choice. So that's kind of one of the main pillars of midwifery care is this idea of informed choice. Um, The second thing about midwifery care is this idea of having someone that you know at your birth. So... um, this doesn't happen so much with family doctors, but with OBs, you know, they have a they have their particular call schedule. So you might see a particular OB throughout your whole pregnancy, but then if they're not the OB that's working the night you go into labor, then they're not the OB that delivers your baby. And that was the case with that's us. That's what happened, yeah. yeah. So it's this idea of you, you have someone that you know throughout your pregnancy that you're developing a relationship with, and in Dan and Zoe's case, unfortunately, that was <laughs> me, and then I wasn't there for the birth. <laughs> um, but... Uh, someone that you know, ideally. I guess you knew the midwives that were there. You just didn't know the student midwife that was there. Yeah, we met her a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we're there with you throughout the whole pregnancy. We're there at the birth and we're also taking care of the family in the postpartum. So up to six weeks after the baby's born. So that's like an added benefit where we come to your house and we can help. We help with breastfeeding. If the the client's choosing to breastfeed, we do weight checks on the baby and we just generally make sure that the health of the the parent or the mom and the baby are fine um, so that you don't have to go cart your baby out to a a family doctor on day two or however that works. Honestly, we should have started this podcast before before I became a father. (laughs) That would have been helpful because I think that was one of the things that for the first week Mm -hmm. and a bit... Zadie was, um, uh, we had some, Jess had some trouble, we, <laughs> Jess had some trouble uh, uh, it, with feeding. It just didn't mm-hmm. take as easy as, as it, uh, as it would, maybe it was made out to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there was a bit of, um, Zadie had a bit of jaundice, right? And so yeah. we were like making these trips. Okay, we're tripped to the hospital for like a breastfeeding clinic, like trip to yeah. the hospital. Okay, now let, oh, her weight is low, so now they want us to come back the next day at this time when we got to wait in the hospital. And yeah. all of that was very tough in that first Stressful. week. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just sort of this haze of like, oh my God. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, having someone that would come yeah. to that would yeah. come to our house would yeah. make that a lot easier. Something yeah. to think about for baby number yeah, two. Yeah, baby number two. <laughs> Dan, don't get me started. Don't get me started on baby number two. That's what I'm doing here. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the, the only point of the I'm whole here. podcast. <laughs> and so what was the, the third pillar? Then? So the third pillar is this idea of, of having a, a choice between a choice around where you want to have your baby. So Dan mentioned this earlier in Ontario. Uh, generally, the choice is between home and hospital. But here in Toronto, we're really lucky to have the Toronto Birth Centre, which is a standalone birth centre. It's completely midwife run, uh, and it's a good option for people who don't want a hospital birth, but don't necessarily want a home birth either. Um, so we're we're really lucky in Toronto to have that option. Okay. Yeah, we. I definitely know some people. Actually, both of my younger brothers were born at home because my mom was a mm. childbirth educator for years, um, and I know people who have done home births and absolutely loved it. In light of the experience we had, we could not be happier with our choice <laughs> to go midwife because we love the personal nature of it, and I will say, the you know, when we came in for our check-ins, we never felt rushed. We yeah. never felt like there was a question we didn't get to ask or anything like that. So to have that connection, uh, Dion, which is the name of, of our midwife that, that delivered Goldie, uh, was someone that we knew, so that was really valuable on the day. Yeah. Um, Especially when there's like complications that come up, right? Well, that Someone was who yeah. can being at the hospital and the fact that there. I guess he was an OB. This doctor. This is like I said, we'd never met this guy before. And we <laughs> yeah. saw, I flagged him down in the hall the next day, and I was like, "Thank you, thank you for saving my baby's <laughs> life." Like, you know, that's. But otherwise, we didn't know this guy at all. Anyways, I was I was very happy we went the hospital route because when things went south. That was that's the whole reason you do the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you're just with your midwife, but if there are complications, there's a whole team of people that they can they can bring in. It's I, I think the other thing is to me, there was the moment when I was telling the story and it was saying that when they were like doctors like C section, that's what we're doing, mm-hmm. and the nurse was like, I'm not sure. Yeah. It would have been nice to have someone there at that point to say, hey, guys, let's take a step back. Remember what your plan was. Yeah. Right. Because we had it. We'd written it down. Yeah. yeah. We'd written it down. We we knew it. But in the moment, it just it threw it went out the window and we're like, 
defer to doctor. Yeah, and not not to um, dismiss that doctor's judgment at all, but the the other idea around mid- midwives is that we're there to be advocates for our clients' choices and our our clients' preferences. So in those in those moments, that's where it can be really useful to have someone in the room with you who knows you, um, who knows your whole pregnancy and birth story so far, and who can help you help guide you through those choices and in a way that feels more comfortable to you as opposed to feeling like you just had no choice. And yeah, it still might've ended up as a C-section. Mm-hmm. It likely would have. Um, but not only would you hopefully have felt more supported, but we're also, we also would have been in the room with your wife in the operating room as she's getting prepped and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So just having, honestly, just someone there to hold your hand literally through it while she's getting ready is, can be the difference between a, a scary situation and a less scary situation. Absolutely. So we're, we're getting kind of a clear picture of, you know, what it is to be a midwife and what the process of of that is like if if you're expecting a baby and you go the midwife route. Um, maybe this is a common question and, or I don't know, maybe it's silly, but I imagine this kind of thing might come up a lot. What's the difference between a midwife and a doula? Oh, yeah. We get that question a lot. I bet. <laughs> yeah. So um, a midwife is a healthcare provider. So we are, the, the sort of clinical jargon is a primary healthcare provider, right. which just means that we um, do all of the clinical part of, of a pregnant person's care, or our client's care. A doula is a support person. So a doula is, I, I kind of describe them, and I mean this with with great generosity and love, like like a, a, a caring older sister or a caring auntie, like someone who can support you emotionally. Um, prenatally, they can kind of help you with ideas about what to expect and coping, like how to cope with contractions and that kind of thing. In the postpartum period, they can also come to your house and do home visits and um, help out with caring for the baby or breastfeeding and that kind of thing. But they're really in that sort of supportive, emotionally and socially supportive role. So possible that if a pregnant person were interested in going the traditional route of an OB, mm-hmm. that adding a doula to the mix could bring in some of that personal comfort and advocacy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. And especially for folks who are planning hospital births, I would recommend them because the hospital environment can feel so, um, you know, isolating or... or impersonal. Yeah, impersonal. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So to have that support, that support person who's just even just rubbing your back is just a really nice thing to have. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, uh, well, that's a good spot to go, I think. Yeah. What's... Um, what do you wish more men or um, partners or uh, support um, uh, support people uh, knew about childbirth? Like, like, what's the thing that you know? You're like, oh yeah, that's something I wish more people knew, in the, like before they got to that point. So it's it's funny because both of you guys actually touched on it, and so it's this okay. idea that you can plan and plan and plan and plan. But really, you have to be ready for uncertainty and you have to be ready for the plan to change um, because that's the reality of childbirth. And actually, Dan, you also said that it's a really good primer for parenting. And I use that line, too, because it really it really is like if you can um, go with the flow in childbirth and that's a good sign of, of how, you know, your parents. Well, it's not necessarily like indicative of how your parenting style will be, but it's a good sign that, you know. You got this. Don't worry about it. But Sounds like another five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> Dan is winning it, just crushing it today. Big Papa's the competition. <laughs> so that's one of the big things is this idea of um, uh, being ready to to sort of support your, your partner in 
in a change of plan that you might not have predicted or might not have anticipated. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of other things. Like it could be, I guess it, it goes with this idea of not really knowing what to expect. So it could just be a whole lot longer than you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely have clients for whom it was a lot quicker than they thought it could be. And it was, right. it, it's, a, it's a little bit like... Um, in a, in a different kind of way throws you off. Like you're just like, whoa, I didn't expect it to be that that quick and that uh, intense. So what, on the quick side of things, what's quick? Oh, like a, like an, like an hour, wow. <laughs> a couple, maybe two hours. Yeah. Like okay. it could be, it could be pretty quick. Man. Okay. And what's, don't long? tell Jess that. Yeah. yeah I'm not <laughs> saying. <laughs> it's not necessarily a, a Go great back thing. 30 seconds. Oh, right. It's like yeah, you're doing, your body's doing all that work in a very condensed amount of time. Yeah. So it's intense. It's intense. People okay. may, might think that they want a really quick childbirth, um, but there are, labor, but it's, it, it's hard. There are it's repercussions. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And on the long end of things. Oh, long is, long can be long. Long can be several days. Ooh, okay. I thought 31 yeah. was, yeah, was long. But, yeah, uh, it depends on what kind of a, a labor it is, if it's an induction or if it's a prolonged early labor. I think this is another good time for us to just uh, give a shout out. Um, you can't see me in the studio, but I'm saluting all moms out there That's again. Yeah. Um, all the that pregnant is, people. Yeah, all the pregnant people. There we go. It's That is... I, I don't even want to get into it. I'm going to step away from them. If you're pregnant or may become pregnant... We respect you. <laughs> That's true. Um, now, I'm wondering about behaviors that you see from dads or partners, good or bad. So the kind of thing that you see a lot of dads maybe doing that you think, why does this happen? Or the kind of behavior that maybe you've seen here or there that you say, oh, I wish that more dads or partners did that. Do any of those come to mind? So, okay, so that's another maybe thing to, to in terms of what to expect is that you, we you don't know how your partner is going to respond to labor, right? There's nobody can really predict how they're going to respond to that kind of intense sensation, intense pain. Um, and so to not take it personally, if you're getting yelled at or directed very like sternly about what to do and what not to do. Um, so it's really just understanding that your needs are secondary. I hope it's okay (laughs) that I say that. (laughs) Absolutely. No, no, that's (laughs) the whole point of the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Secondary, secondary. <laughs> so just uh, the, the the times I've seen it gone well are when the, the support person really just listens and um, maybe doesn't ask too many questions because during a contraction is not the time to ask a question to the person who's uh, laboring. So, so are you cool if I just leave for a little bit and go maybe pick up a sandwich? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more of like a three out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. three out of five. Oh, okay. That's actually, that's satisfactory. I, I mean, mean, okay, let's say one. Okay. Where's the sandwich from? I mean, let's get real. Yeah. Who's the sandwich what kind for? Of sandwich? Yeah, there. But more importantly. Who is the sandwich for? <laughs> Who's it for? <laughs> um... You told us right now you're actually on call. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does – I want to know what does that mean because I think for me, again, I'm thinking, okay, so I know – now I have a better understanding of what you would do in the, the sort of prenatal piece. But now you're on call. I mean I'm hoping it doesn't happen right now, but bzz, 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 you got a little buzz. Yeah. Somebody's ready. 
what do you do? Do you have like, what is your, what is in your utility belt? Yes. And what do you need to do next? The bat signal goes up. Yes. And what do you do? What do you do? So, um, so I have my pager on right now and it's funny, my pager tone, just because it's, I think it's funny because this podcast is called Big Papa's, but my husband really wants me to change my pager tone to the intro to warning. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how well that would work in public spaces, but, um, so I, I am not fully prepared for a birth right now, I will be honest, because all of my clients have delivered. Okay. But, you know, technically speaking, one of my, uh, I don't have any clients for June because I'm off, but one of my July clients might go into preterm labor. Um, so I always carry an infant stethoscope with me <laughs> wherever I go. Oh, uh, like just, just so that a I can, mini? Just a little stethoscope. It's in my, it's in my backpack, just so that oh, in wow. case I need to go. So there's always two midwives at every birth. And okay. if I'm the second midwife, that's one thing that I should be carrying. Um, so if, if my pager goes off, I basically have to bounce out of here, go home, pick up my equipment and it, it depends on the client. So Mm -hmm. if it's a client's first baby, we always do a home assessment before we move to the birth center or set up for home birth or move to the hospital. And that kind of saves our clients from, you've heard that story of like clients going to the hospital and they're like, Oh, you're too early. You have to go back. So we do the first assessment at home to make sure that the labor is actually uh, active. Mm -hmm. Um, so I might go to their home if that's what's if that's what's happening, or if it's their second baby and their and things are moving quickly, we might just move straight to where they want to have their baby, the birth center, the hospital, or home. Um, or sometimes I get paged with non labor calls, right? Like the the other great thing about a midwife is if you have an emergency and you're and it's during the pregnancy, instead of going to the ER, you page your midwife and we do a little triage over the phone. Okay. And so we can decide like, is this something that I can see you at home for? I need to see you at the clinic for, or we should meet in the hospital for. Hmm. Those calls definitely came in handy a couple of times for us. Oh yeah. Maybe not when we were quite in labor, but I remember there were times where we. You know, if you don't have someone to ask that question to, you might end up going to the emergency room, whereas instead you page someone and you get to have the question answered by someone who's credible and who you trust on it. Yeah, same thing with the postpartum, too. If you have a question about your baby, like, do you want to take your baby to the ER? You might need to, but call your midwife first and she might be able to, to give you another route. Yeah, it sounds like a better Google, more yeah. focused on, <laughs> yes. on, on, uh, on, on pregnancy and, uh, and care. No, that makes sense because I, I, you know what, I think there have been instances, I don't think they came up a lot when, when uh, it, sort of prenatal, but I, there were times when, yeah, I was definitely looking things up and being like, well, like, mm-hmm. what if that happened? And, you know, the internet is a dangerous place, right? Oh, it's a, it's yeah. an amazing place, but also a very dangerous and scary place. And sometimes if you're, you know, you don't always necessarily know, is this truly the most accurate information, right? I mean, there are obviously sites that you can trust more than others, but I think, again, having a person, it it reminds us, maybe it reminds me that it's important to have people Mm -hmm. to talk to Mm -hmm. um, that know your situation, right? That that can understand you and understand your partner um, and that can relate to you in a way that that makes you feel comfortable. Because I think... There's a lot about that discomfort going yeah. into something that you haven't done before. Well, that's the thing. Childbirth is so incredibly intense in so many ways, like emotionally, psychologically, spiritually for some people, um, physically certainly. And so to have someone there who you you feel comfortable with can really help, can really make the difference between um, having an experience that you feel good about at the end and having an experience that makes you not so happy. Yeah. I always tell all my clients not to Google anything. Call me. Don't Google anything. 
Oh, Google's awful. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and don't look at mommy blogs either. Goldie had <laughs> Roseola a couple weeks ago, which I had never heard of before. I've heard which, of it, but remind it. Remind well, it. so it's just a few days of low-grade fever and then a few days of like a really little rash. It's like basically the perfect virus because <laughs> it, when we found out what it was, it was like, oh, awesome. Okay. And it's like the chicken pox in that you get it once and it's out of the way. But uh, I was out <laughs> doing some work and Zoe said... I think she might have the early stages of measles. And I Googled measles, one-year-old. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Dan, tell us, what, what did you see? Don't do It was awful. It, it was, looks terrible. And they tell you that babies die when, they, when oh, they're yeah. young and they get the measles. Anyways, I, and I luckily, Zoe and I already, you know, it's not like I had a total freak out. But we were like, let's maybe not Google stuff like this. <laughs> um, and then we went to the doctor. And the doctor, I've never had a quicker visit, whether myself or a baby, never had a quicker visit to a doctor. She came in. She said, it's Rolio's, Rosiola. It's going around. Be happy. And she left. She, she got right out of there. Nice. Uh, um, I wonder if... Maybe tell us a little bit more about sort of the, the, the pregnancy happens and now you're sort of doing the aftercare piece. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? So you're, you said I think you, you can come to the home. You can sort of help out a little bit. And then you just vanish. Oh, well, hopefully it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> but um, one, well, let's start with after, like right after the birth, because yep. one of the really nice things about midwifery care, and this is certainly true for our hospital, I think it's true for most hospitals across Ontario, um, and certainly true for the birth center as well. As long as both the birthing parents, so the mom and the baby are well, then they can go home. The family can go home about three or four hours, let's say three hours after the birth. So in certain cases... Like with you guys, you know, you had to stay. Um, but if if everything is well, then that can be a real benefit. And part of the reason that we have that system in place is because we are going to come visit you, you know, usually in the first 24 hours after someone's after the baby's born. So, like right off the bat, you get to go home and sleep in your own bed and eat your own food and, you know, not be in a shared room with another crying baby or something like that, right? Um, so then we we come to visit you. Uh, and every clinic, I would say, is a little bit different in terms of the schedule of, of visits. But for our clinic, it's usually like day one. You know, I usually like to visit clients on day one, two, three, mm-hmm. and then five or six, and then again on day 10. Um, and all of those visits are at the home, and we help with breastfeeding. We make sure that the baby's feeding well and that and that the birth parent or the the mom is feeling comfortable with that and confident. Um, it is a learn a learning process, so mm-hmm. it's not like it happens right away. So those those uh, early visits are really important, I find. Um, and we do we do know that breastfeeding rates at six months for clients of midwifery care are much higher than breastfeeding rates so. for folks who had um, OBs. And that's and you know part of that is just we have that intense care. Um, so we do that the first let's say ten days or so, and then at three weeks. Usually the parents will come into the clinic with their baby and then at six weeks come into the clinic with their baby for their final checkup. And after that, we sort of pass babies off to family doctors or pediatricians. You said something interesting when we were just chatting before about how that's sort of been your experience. You don't so maybe see the the (laughs) after piece. How does that feel? Like what... Um, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. You're okay. You're like, cool. You have six weeks. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. Have a good life. Well, there's a whole lot that goes on. Like I would just need a whole nother degree and a whole <laughs> lot of, like, I'd have to go back to school for a really long time to figure out <laughs> everything about children. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with capping my experience at right. six weeks. Yeah. Other midwives, I don't know how they feel about that, but 
that's that's okay with me. <laughs> is it possible to program warning as the phone on your pager? <laughs> actually, if it's possible, you should I've do it. I've looked it up, and I, I need to ask my friend to like edit it down to because right. the it. intro is like a good. 30, 40 seconds. I feel like we know some engineers that might be able to help with that. Well, there's going to be a lot of lullaby singing and gift bringing if Lisa's pager starts ringing. That is so much wow. better. Wow. Did you just take that I'm up? I'm so glad that landed. Oh so glad oh, someone man. laughed. <laughs> we just can't get away from the Biggie references, eh, Pierre? I know, I, but... Honestly, it was a great, I feel like it was a great, it was good that we just decided to call that the, the name of the podcast. Yeah. It's just it been working out. with everybody we talk to. So. Yeah, I think it's a sign that, that yeah. it's working. And it'll just, I mean, for my husband, he doesn't want to wake up to a pager sound. But if it's that, I Yeah, like he'll be like, be, ah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that track. Then. It's worth it. Oh, man. <laughs> what, Dan, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? I don't think so. We, we we discussed asking whether dads do funny, like if, if you remember that a, a dad doing a funny thing during a birth, but uh, I kind of feel like that undercuts uh, what's been a lot of very useful information here. And I also think you told me that you'd probably throw that question back <laughs> onto us. Well, yeah, I wanted to Did you do anything know, funny, Pierre? Like what, what surprised you or what was like? Um, you know what? So... <laughs> When we got to the hospital, like we did the, we we called and like uh, in the, probably it was like the middle of the night sometime. Maybe it's like two or three. And we're like she's in contractions. How long are they apart? And this on they're like, yeah, don't come to the hospital. Okay, so cool, we'll wait it out. And then it was like morning. We're like, okay, they're this close. They're like, okay, come to the hospital. And we go in and they're like, okay, looks like everything's good. We're gonna admit her. Mm-hmm. All right. So we go and I'm going. Okay, um, I'm gonna go park the car. And I'm like, Jess, do you need anything? She's like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. And I'm actually just going to maybe get a coffee. (laughs) And so I went into this coffee uh, spot that we used to actually live on that side of town. Um, uh, This is in Toronto uh, at St. Mike's. And um, I went into the coffee spot and I was like, hey, man. And he was like, good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, yeah, I moved across town and everything like that. Guess Um, what? Guess He's like, so what are you doing in here? I'm like, oh, you know, uh, my wife's uh, just about to have a kid. He's <laughs> like, so what are you doing here now? And I'm like, oh no, no, it's cool. She's like, it's fine. Like it's early stages. So I just parked the car and came to get a coffee. Uh, and as you're saying it. Yeah. So that's what I that's one of the things I did. I don't think I did anything else. I think I was so I remember that there were people that I had to call. So, you know, I was, you know, frantic. Like, okay, call mom. Got it. Call like Talk to um, Jess's parents, Jess's sister, okay, everybody, okay, here's a, like, this is all what's happening. But I don't think I did anything dumb or stupid in the thing. I think I was just, like, probably more scared. I mean, and I don't know if maybe most, I don't know if other dads will admit this. I think, Dan, you obviously have, have said some of it. But I think in the moment that it was happening, it was, like, the past, or sorry, the present and the future sort of went away. Like, I wasn't so much thinking about it, you know, what had happened before or what was going to happen down the road. Like, what would she be, what would she be like when she's two? Like, I was just so in the moment of like, okay, I'm sitting here. Okay, they're saying to Jess, do you, she want the epidural? Okay, they're giving her the epidural. Okay, this is weird. Like, people, doc, like nurses are coming in every little while. I'm watching a little, like, a, mon- a little monitor where it's like bouncing up and down and sometimes mm-hmm. it's changing. Is that good? Should mm-hmm. I call somebody? I don't know. Like again, I'm, I'm weirded out. I think because that was happening, I was so in the moment, mm-hmm. I just locked into like, 
I'm just going to sit here and do it. There was not even the thought of me do, like being like, I'm going to like play video games, like something <laughs> like that, right? You know, you're just like, ah, oh, like, this seems like a lull. Ah, <laughs> uh, words with friends. Like, hey, let me just, uh, let me, I think I can solve this one. Oh, 30 point score. And you're like, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm sure like there's probably dads that's that happened. have done that. Yeah. yeah, video games, that's happened. Uh, never with me, but I've heard stories. I think this speaks to what we're saying uh, about childbirth being a primer for once you're a parent. And that's the idea of having to live in the moment. And, you know, yeah. when you're there with your kid and it's happening and it's a new thing or your kid's super upset, you know, and there's nothing useful about you being frustrated by it. You're really in the moment. You're forced mm-hmm. into the moment. And that starts, you know, maybe it's really the first time for a lot of people where where they they have no choice but to live in the moment when you're in childbirth, when you're 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 dealing with your partner and she's going through something that you have no control over and she has no control over. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's really that that pops up a lot uh, once you're actually dealing with a living child. The fact that you're there and the immediacy of it, uh, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. Um, In terms of childbirth, I don't know if this is useful or not, but it is something I like to say to all my clients, and I think it might be useful for dads, partners as well. Um, It's just this idea of like, it speaks to being in the moment. It's this idea of taking one contraction at a time. So I don't, uh, it's not helpful for people to think about like, how much longer do I have to do this? Or how many more hours is is this going to be? That's not helpful for anyone, right? But if you just think about like, can you do the next contraction? Uh, And if you can, we'll do it. If you, if it's not working for you, then we'll change something. You know, we'll change your position. We'll give you, you know, water or something to eat or maybe uh, a shower or a bath or something like that. Like, let's figure out what to change. Um, But this idea of like one contraction at a time really speaks to being in the moment. And that, I think that that might be useful for partners too, because um, one of the hardest things I imagine about being a dad in the room or a partner in the room is that you, you can't take the pain for your partner and you have to just watch them um, work through each contraction without being able to really help them in like a, you're definitely helping, but like not in the way that you might want to help. Um, so if the partner is thinking about like, oh, we, she can't do another five hours of this or even one hour of this, that's not helpful. But if everyone's just taking it in the moment, one one breath at a time, one contraction at a, t- at a time, I think that that's really useful. Yeah, that's some good advice. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'd like to take a moment maybe to, to shed a little light on um, – some of the resources that might be available when it comes to midwifery. I know you mentioned there was something Ontario specific. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything that's a little broader as far as some of the people who are listening who might be outside of Ontario, but where where might people go to get some information on midwifery? Yeah, so in Ontario, you can go to ontariomidwives.ca um, and that will provide you with all the information you need to know about what midwifery care is, how to find a midwife, where to find a midwife, all of that. Um, but like you mentioned in the beginning, midwifery, the way that the model, the way that it works is different from province to province. So if you're listening in Canada, then you would be best fit to to go to your provincial midwifery association, whatever that happens to be. There is a Canadian wide one, but again, that would be a little bit more general because they can't speak to the specific regulations of each um of each province and then the same kind of deal with either the states or whatever country you're listening from um looking for the sort of governing body of uh, of midwifery in that in that particular country great awesome 
Thank you very much for yeah, Lisa. For this for is, uh, we really appreciate it. It's fun. great to see you. Yeah, nice to see you again. Maybe next time Zoe and I have a baby, you can come to the birth. Well, no, that would be nice. <laughs> as just nice. like just as a as a like in her professional capacity. No, 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 no. Like as a friend, just as a pal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play some video games together <laughs> and listen to some Biggie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love it when you call me Big Papa. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for Thanks, listening uh, for another episode of Big Papas. I'm Dan. I'm Pierre. And, we'll be uh, back. Uh, we'll be back next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening.